On this episode of That Was a Show, 1989 saw the release of one of the most memorable cinematic comedies of all time, the John Hughes classic Uncle Buck, starring the incomparable John Candy and Macaulay Culkin. A mere one year later, a sitcom version was released featuring practically none of the original cast. The replacements try their darndest to replicate the unique charm of the film, which is of course the story of three kids left in the care of their rough-around-the-edges uncle, Buck Russell, whilst their parents leave town to attend to a family emergency. The show has a premise that has been modified in dark and strange ways to suit the format of an ongoing series. Bryn, Aaron, and Barry light up cigars, hop in the old 77 Mercury, and try to figure out why this version of the heartwarming family story backfired. Fans of the movie will get that backfired reference. <laughs> we grew up during peak sitcom, Seinfeld, Friends, The Fresh Prince, but those shows were diamonds in the rough. This podcast is not about those diamonds. It's about the rough. Some sitcoms were briefly popular in their time. Some were canceled almost immediately. You probably won't recognize most of these, and you'll ask, that was a show? That was a show? The podcast about failed or forgotten sitcoms from the 80s and 90s, starring... Bryn Burney, Aaron Yeager, and Andrew Helmer as Barry. A Radio Gizmo production. <laughs> 2024. Yeah. Woo-hoo. 2024, that's right. Yeah, that's, 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 how about that? I don't know. I don't know how that happened. I don't know how it, you know. Time marches on. Yeah. Yesterday, it feels like 2019 was yesterday, so <laughs> the past like five years have been like a goddamn blur. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, the, me- the memes of people who are still reckoning with 2020 <laughs> <laughs> never get old. <laughs> no, because it, it, is, it, is, it is me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't think any of us will get over it until like 2030, you know? <laughs> It'll oh. take a whole nother decade for us that's, to even. That's not a year that I'm ready to, to talk about. <laughs> that's it's only no. six years away. <laughs> no, 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 I'm, that's, I, that's. Yeah, I'm still mystified that there are adults with birthdays beginning in 2000 and something. Yeah, I know. I know. Full oh, adults. Yeah. You can drink if you were born in 2005. No. That is so unacceptable. That's like that, that makes me so uncomfortable. If you were born when when I was in university, deeply uncomfortable. Brynn and I, Brynn and I graduated high school in two thousand and yeah, uh. yeah. You don't need to put the exact years out there, Barry. Like... This is no, I, we're not. This isn't. This isn't. This isn't the podcast. No, this is the podcast. This is absolutely the podcast. Oh no. No. <laughs> None of that's getting cut out. Why? Can I you thought... but can you like blur bleep out the year cuz that would be funny? Yes, I can okay. do that. That would be funny. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's how people develop parasocial relationships with us. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um 
All right. Well, by the way, for everybody out there, uh, feel free to get a little bit more, more parasocial. Yeah. You know, just uh, hit us up. Yeah. <laughs> um, Creep us out. I don't care. Yeah. Before we get into our actual topic for the episode, does anyone have any first orders of business? What is this, a Mason meeting? I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't even know what you mean by that. I don't know. Just, you know. Anything? Do you want to? Do you want to roll? You want to do roll call? Roll. Call. Yeah, yeah. Fine. Never mind. I mean, we've been dying to talk to you about jury duty, Barry. If you have seen yes, it, yes, that's true. Whether you've seen it or not, the seen what? A jury duty. The TV series, the eight-part miniseries called Jury Duty. Is it based off of the Polly Shore movie? No, 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 <laughs> no. no, 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 no. It's on Amazon. And in it's the greatest on one level, the less, you know, going into it, the better. Yeah, I don't want to even but say anything. It's a, it's a comedy and you need to just watch it and take what you see at face value. And then we can discuss. It's very unique. It's very unique. I promise you will be in- intrigued. I have not. I've never even heard of it. Okay. But yep. I mean, that's not really a surprise for me. It's been a little <laughs> under the radar in general. But I'm, I don't. Everyone who watches it freaks out and thinks it's the greatest thing ever. Just. And it it seems to be the thing that's like uniting all age groups, basically. This, I have to say, this is a little disheartening because I don't think I've ever been like so far outside of the pulse that I'd never even heard of something. Yeah. That's, Uh, that's new. Like when people talk about like White Lotus, I'd be like, yes, I've seen. I know it exists. So for your benefit and any listeners who haven't seen it, very, very simply put, the premise is it's a fake reality TV show about what it's like to do jury duty where everybody who's on the jury is an actor, a comic actor, except for one person who thinks this is actual jury duty and he's in a documentary about a real court case. It, that's 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 real. That's, that's real. That so it's that like kind of one like... guy thinks it's a real court case, and he thinks everyone else there is a real juror just like him, and he thinks the judge is a judge and the lawyers are lawyers, and he thinks it's all a a reality TV show, like a documentary show about being on a jury. He agrees to be in a TV show, but he thinks that the TV show is a real court case. It's a lot of uh, people from the office working on it, like writers and producers. Yeah. And so, anyway, when you hear that description, your initial reaction, like I'm sure many people is going to be like, what? So the whole thing is just punking this guy. Just trust us. It, <laughs> the way that this actually <laughs> evolves is so much more charming and amusing than you would possibly expect. Kids yeah. don't know what punking means. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That that's a that's a punking. twenty that's a twenty year old pop culture. Oh, but reference. they might because it's like Y two K era. Yeah, 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 so... yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like low rise jeans. Yeah, it's coming <laughs> back. Punking's back. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, I think somebody you know whatever. This is great, great, great radio, great radio. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm. I'll, I'll give a thirty second bit on what i've watched recently okay uh, go, go for it i absolutely devoured in like three sittings two seasons of 
uh, our flag means death. Okay. Uh, okay. Which is the Rise Darby Taika Waititi uh, pirate comedy. Mm. And uh, I have not loved something this much in a long time. It oh. is just so very, very funny, very okay. character based. And like, uh, it, its claim to fame is basically like, it is like ridiculously, adorably romantic. And huh. like, it is like, I was so invested in the relationships on this show, and I was just like, hmm. man, it's great. It, I, of course, it got canceled like a week ago. Oh, uh, oh no. And I knew that going in, uh, but like, I had heard so many people say like it, has a, it had a great ending, so even though everybody was very upset that it got canceled, they, it, it was, uh, oh, well, you know, it was, good. it was fine that it went out the way it was, and I agree. It, it so that's why I agreed to watch it because I was yeah. like, well, if it's got an ending, okay, I can do two seasons of something. I I feel like a lot of really good shows are getting just shit canned, yeah, uh, well, left and it's right. On, it's on HBO Max or what? That's not yeah. even what it's called anymore. So it's everything gets canceled Max. there. Oh. Max, it's called well, Max. It's just gonna show, be M soon. Showtime has been really ruthless too. Like they canceled a lot of, like they canceled. I love that for you, and that was like one of our favorite comedies. In a long time, yeah. they had one season, and it was so funny and so brilliant. And it's just gone before it even had a chance to do anything. Basically, yeah. So they don't they don't give the old Netflix three seasons and you're out. Like, uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I'm going to use this opportune moment for a segue into yeah. talking about a show that got canceled, deservedly so. <laughs> True, okay. but there is there is um, there is twenty two episodes of this this craparama. Yeah, <laughs> although yeah, okay. Well, All let's, right, let's let's get, get into, into it. it. I, yeah. I've I've written extensive intro for this one. Okay, well, so, I'll buckle in then. Buckle in. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, I didn't even mean didn't it. Didn't even. Okay. <laughs> I must, didn't even mean to make a joke there. All right. Buckle, <laughs> buckle. Okay. Well. All right. On that note. For our first episode of 2024, we decided to embark on another bad adaptation. Many listeners will, of course, be familiar with the 1989 John Hughes classic, Uncle Buck, starring the legendary John Candy as Uncle Buck, as well as, of course, Macaulay Culkin, Gabby Hoffman, and Jean Louisa Kelly as the three kids. The plot of the movie was very simple. Parents need to rush off to deal with a family emergency and leave their kids in the care of the only person available, Uncle Buck. The tension comes from the fact that Buck, single without kids, a little bit rootless in his lifestyle, seems like the last person that they would choose. Buck drinks a lot, smokes cigars, and manages to squeak by through betting on rigged horse races. So, Buck is reluctant to take on the responsibility as well, but ultimately is willing. The parents are gone for a couple weeks, and over that time, Buck and the kids learn to appreciate each other's company. Buck turns out to be a very lovable, protective, and overall good guy beneath his rough exterior. The film was fairly successful upon release and grew into a cult classic over the years. So a mere one year later, in 1990, CBS decided to turn this movie into a sitcom. It launched on September 10th, 1990, which incidentally is the same day that The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air premiered. 22 episodes were produced, but the series ended March 9th, 1991, after apparently only 16 episodes had aired. The series stars Kevin Meany of stand-up comedy fame, 
in the titular role. And it's pretty clear from the first moment on screen, he's doing a deliberate impression of John Candy. The rest of the cast includes Davi Choden as Tia, Jacob Gilman as Miles, and Sarah Martinek as Maisie, which are all the same names and characters from the kids in the movie. Here's the surprising twist. In order for there to be a reason for Uncle Buck to be looking after these kids on an ongoing basis, rather than for just a couple weeks like in the film, the premise is that both parents died in a car accident five months before the start of the <laughs> series. They bought it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uncle Buck was selected in the father's will as the person to care for the kids. An added source of tension arises in that their grandmother, Maggie Hogoboom, is the executor of the estate and controls money from the life insurance. Thus, Buck is reliant on her ongoing approval since he's basically a stay-at-home dad to the kids and she pays the bills. An interesting detail is that Maggie is played by Audrey Meadows, best known as Alice Cramden on The Honeymooners. So we watched two episodes, the pilot and episode three titled Gray Fox. In the pilot, Tia wants to go out on a date with some guy. Buck was planning to go to poker night with his buddies, so he was expecting her to babysit her younger siblings while he's gone. She is quite argumentative and insistent, and he reluctantly agrees to host the poker night at their house so that he can watch the kids and she can go out. But he also insists on meeting this guy to potentially approve of him. Buck wants some extra money from the family trust to spend on a mysterious, sure thing, and meets with the rep from the insurance agency. She informs him that he must get the approval of the grandmother, who of course hates him. Meanwhile, Miles is getting bullied in school, and Buck suggests that he ought to start learning to defend himself and fight back against the bully, which is a trope that we've seen in literally everything ever. Buck is called into the school to meet with the principal when it turns out that Miles gave this other kid a black eye. And for a further surprise, this bully who he fought back against is in fact a girl. Long story short, the principal believes the kids are acting out due to the loss of their parents, which is a very rational thing to come up. Uh, so kind of strange that that gets just dismissed. But anyway, it's poker night and the guys come over. One of them is Buck's buddy Skank, played <laughs> by the only actor from the original movie who makes it onto this show, Dennis Cockrum. In the movie, he played the creep at the bowling alley who hits on Tia. In both That's pal. That's pal. Sorry? No, I'm no saying, that's, that character's, his character's name, name is, pal, is pal. pal in the yeah, movie, yeah. but in the no, show, I know, I know. it's Skank, okay, okay, which is gotcha. a very odd choice. Gotcha. In both the movie and this scene in the sitcom, he stabs the roof of his mouth with a toothpick. <laughs> Meanwhile, the guy comes over to pick up Tia for their date. He's much, much older than her, arrives in a limo for some reason, and is wearing a large silver metallic leisure suit. Buck, of course, toys with him a bit and then scares him off. Uh, grandmother Maggie comes over, skeptical about the request for the money, which she assumes he's going to gamble away, and finds out about the kids acting up in school, the poker, da-da-da-da-da, and gets a sense that Buck is, as per her suspicions, not a suitable caregiver. Buck gives her a speech defending how he cares about the kids. The money was for a prom dress for Tia to try to convince her to go to prom and spend time with boys of an appropriate age. Etc. The grandmother talks to the little kids and realizes that Buck has been in his own way helping them cope with the loss of their parents. And in a very hard emotional turn, she decides <laughs> to sympathize with him and continue to let him be their parent. But 
big finger wag. She'll be watching him. So there you go. Yeah. Um, I, I should say off the top, uh, the comment of uh, they bought it <laughs> yeah. was actually said by one of the kids in a precocious moment. <laughs> yeah. And I, it was so inappropriate. It was. I will say this, though. The only thing, the only thing this show comes close to emulating correctly is Miles and Maisie. Yeah. They are similar. They are just as weird, just as sharp-tongued as yeah. they were. Obviously, you know, <laughs> you're no Macaulay Culkin, but, no, but those characters felt like they walked off the movie. Yeah. yeah. Everybody yeah. else does not. Yeah. yeah. Miles, Miles, the little boy Miles, was the only source of a couple of genuine laughs for me yeah. in the, and, in and the entire thing. The they bought it line, big time. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because like, they keep doubling down on that. Yeah. Like, yeah. They, yeah. As dark they, and they non cashed, They cashed in. They checked out. Like, yeah. It's, as, yeah, it's as dark. dark and nonsense as it is, yeah. it did like kind of earn a laugh because that kid did a good job of it, delivering it. It definitely, this version of Uncle Buck is way edgier than is it? the movie. No. Well, not, it, even, well, it's, not it's, even close. It's edgy in the sense that like Tia. Her whole deal is that she wants to literally, you know, like there's some scary men like going after her. That's Tia's whole thing in the movie, too. Tia's yeah. all about the dangerous guys in the movie. Okay, but at least I think Buck, we can. In the movie, Buck, they're age Buck, appropriate, at least. Buck threatens Bug with a hatchet. Yeah, but Bug is more age appropriate. That's true. And he's yeah. not wearing a metallic leisure suit. Yeah. No. He, um, he doesn't look like he, like, does blow in nightclub bathrooms and like, you know. I think ponytail leisure suit is a much more suitable partner than Bug is for anyone. Well, yeah. Um, well. I, so I, I wrote sort of an initial, some initial thoughts, reactions to this show that I wrote so that I could kind of structure these thoughts because I was trying to figure out how to react to this because like, I really like the movie Uncle Buck. Yeah. I love the movie Uncle Buck. And, it is one of my favorite yeah. comedies. <laughs> and of all the bad adaptations that we've done, this was one where, to be perfectly honest, going into it, they were going to really have to push a boulder up a hill to impress me. And, yeah. And yeah. so here, here's my initial commentary. The movie Uncle Buck is a decent story. Charming 80s style family comedy about a lovable loser, fish out of water type, whatever. But let's be honest here. Uncle Buck is a great film because of John Candy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's yep. pretty amazing that somebody thought, let's turn this movie into a TV series a year later without John Candy mm -hmm. and with this premise that does not lend itself naturally to an ongoing episodic format. Yeah. There's no way to overstate the impact Candy had on every film he touched. His level of on-screen charisma had that transformative effect on characters like this. Where no matter how like rough around the edges or obnoxious a character is, John Candy makes them lovable and charming, like effortlessly. The mm -hmm. only other actor of the time who might have had an even stronger presence would be Eddie Murphy. But that's that's the league that we're talking about, right? And and so even the thing about actors at that time, like John Candy, even though he sort of at least partially got his start on SCTV. In those days, if you broke out on the big screen, 
you, you didn't really like you didn't go back to TV. You didn't do TV shows. So obviously, no, no, it's, never. It's not, not sur- in the 90s. At no, least. not yeah. from not 1990. So honestly, it's, the last 10 years is pretty much yeah. when you were allowed to go back. And exactly. Forth. So yeah. it's obvious that John Candy and Macaulay Culkin and the others in the movie were not going to be in a sitcom about the same premise. Like, that's obvious. Right. But. <laughs> They could have tried to adapt the character in a more general way. And rather than trying to mimic John Candy, just take the character in a somewhat different direction. Like Kevin, Kevin Meany does a laudable attempt. But the problem is that the character is just a constant reminder that you could just turn this off and be watching John Candy right now. Mm -hmm. Like all you think the entire time is I just would rather be watching the movie. Put it on immediately. (laughs) (laughs) um as soon as i finished i i put it right on (laughs) like just as a palate cleanser to just be like oh oh oh, yeah yeah i think for me supposed to be yeah if i if i have a if i if if i can put an underline on anything that doesn't work here it's kevin mean yeah sadly i didn't really get the impression he was doing uh a john candy impression so much as like you know like when the kardashians dress up for halloween uh <laughs> and and it they'll they'll do a pop culture character and it looks like them but you know they've never encountered yeah. that piece of pop right. culture yeah. in their life yeah that's what i got here i got this looks like kevin meany looked at some still frames from and you know what that's mean to Meanie to uh pick on him for that because it's all wardrobe that's all them but like he he leans into the fact is his whole performance is uncle buck smokes a cigar two or three times in the movie so kevin meanie is gonna chomp on a cigar the entire thing like buck's not like smoking a cigar, like <laughs> making them breakfast and stuff, but that's the first thing we <laughs> yeah. see. Here. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's it is a well, it is yeah. a caricature of the character. I you know there were certain specific facial expressions and body language and gestures that I recognized that were kind yeah. of like it feels to me like if if someone in the cast of Saturday Night Live was for the purpose of a sketch just doing a quick. John Candy from Uncle Buck impersonation. Like it's it's to me, it felt like he was trying to do that. And again, I don't think that was necessarily his idea. I feel like that was built into this. I feel like oh, they, sure, that sure. was their goal with this they show. They got the haircut. They got the haircut, right? <laughs> yeah. Like he the like, cigar <laughs> thing's a perfect example. A good chunk of that first episode that that pilot was just him. Smoking a cigar with an apron on and singing and dancing to various songs that seemed too expensive for them to have gotten and doing chores in a goofy way. Like that was like that whole episode. And then, it, you know, in between, there'd be these moments of like getting nagged at by the grandma or like getting, you know, trying to get rid of that creepy guy or whatever yeah. but it was like the good the first half it was just him in an apron being goofy yeah. and and yeah. another thing the opening and his, cub, and his cubs is his, his cubs, cubs jersey. jersey can't forget about the cubs yeah, jersey sure, yeah really leaning into chicago and loving the cubs but like another thing the opening title <laughs> the opening title sequence okay i'm not even going to talk about the song the ridiculous i didn't need an i didn't need an uncle buck song no, guys but even aside from the song 
the opening titles are full of these visual scenes, like little vignettes that are straight up ripped off from the movie, but recreated with this cast. So like he pulls up in front of the high school and the old car backfires and all the kids out front think a gun went off or he's flipping the giant pancake with like the snow shovel. (laughs) Those are things that happened once in the movie. And the opening sequence of this show is just one after another after another of iconic moments poorly recreated from the movie and probably which never happened in this tv series it's the wish version of uncle buck yeah (laughs) um (laughs) um, boy um here's a fun fact sorry you said you just said vignettes and complete complete aside yeah you guys remember vines like the free tiktok yeah Mm -hmm. is that vignettes is that what they were trying to do there they were vignettes oh (laughs) Interesting question. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't anyway. think anyone's really analyzed yeah. Vine. I like, to, uh, you know. I like to. I like to stop the podcast dead in its tracks when I can. Yeah, <laughs> just to <laughs> just <laughs> rip the record player needle right off the record with that sound. Apparently, according to a, uh, something I read in, in Wikipedia, uh, at the time when this premiered, uh, there was a small controversy in the press. Over the fact that uh, the very first scene uh, has, I guess it's Maisie telling Buck, you suck. And um, apparently that's the first time that anyone ever remarked that, like uttered that line on TV, on broadcast television. And apparently you suck, like was considered potentially offensive. <laughs> so having a- I don't. Look, I don't want to put us all back into the late 80s and the early 90s, but you suck was a big deal. I <laughs> I would get in trouble for you suck. Hmm. Like that it was the worst thing we had. Cuz like a little kid well, telling did- an adult you suck was apparently like a big deal at the time. Oh, huge. Didn't huge. like didn't like the Simpsons like didn't Bart say like, well, I guess he said this sucks. He also said eat my shorts a lot. Yeah. Which famously caused the Bushes to rail against the Simpsons, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's so funny that Around you, the same you time. suck would be such a big deal. Yeah. I feel like we were throwing that around left and right in like high school um, times. Yeah. They, I, I don't even know if the kids say it anymore. I, I, yeah, I, I, I feel like it's... Yeah. It's, yeah, it's not. We're also talking about an era where the Isn't opening... Isn't there like a song called You Suck? Is there? Like a pop song? current pop song no like um oh there like was back- like a pink song it was like oh is is it is it a pink song anyway whatever we're we're also keep talking going re- off the keep, rails keeping the references current yeah. as always yeah, guys exactly. we're also talking about a show from an era where the opening begins with a special like logo that that confirms that the show is in stereo which is yeah, good to yeah. know because I was worried that it might be mono. Like that, that always, was my biggest concern. I always, I, I yeah, those are. I like the little animation on those. Yeah. <laughs> I also, man, they just. I do appreciate just just ripping the logo from the movie like box like right <laughs> off. Yeah, throwing it at the screen. <laughs> yeah, just in case you thought maybe this wasn't about that Uncle Buck. In case you thought this was another Uncle Buck. <laughs> Within the first 10 seconds, you got that title card and you got a, a guy flipping a goddamn giant pancake. <laughs> yeah. Um, my one big genuine laugh, uh, as I said, it was it was uh, the the boy Miles. Um, 
I remember now I wrote it down what it was. It was when, uh, so after Buck finds out that the, that the kid who was bullying him was a girl and he asks why he never mentioned that, his response was that he didn't think it was germane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, that was, the, again, Miles. These yeah. are all things that that character yeah. would would drop yeah. all yeah. the time. Yeah, yeah. Like, so that kid, like, obviously you can't replace Macaulay Culkin in nineteen eighty nine, nineteen ninety. But that yeah. kid, he did a great job. He, he was funny. He, yeah, he showed up and he came to play. Like he yeah. did his job. That's for sure. I mean, if they really, <laughs> I mean, honestly, they should have just tried to see what Kieran was up to. They could have <laughs> yeah. got him. Early. They could have got him early. You yeah, know? yeah. The pre, the pre Fuller. Yeah, Kiernan. yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, yes. Going back to what you said about Uncle Buck, the movie John Candy is absolutely the reason why that movie is is you know so great and so memorable. But even just like every everything in that movie just sort of clicks. Yeah, right. Like even you know you have all these kid actors who could just be nothing, and the the roles for those characters could be nothing. But they make each character, each of those kids mm-hmm. is so idiosyncratic and unique and like just their own thing. And then you got like this weird supporting cast, like Amy Madigan is great in it. Uh, Lori Metcalf is really funny mm-hmm. in it. Like, yeah. yeah, this, 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 this one's, we're not, we're not there. I mean, this yeah. is, what, what's the grandmother's name? Hogglebloom? <laughs> Hog- Hogo Boom is her last oh. name. It's Maggie Hogo Boom. Yeah, Aaron like, and I were just perplexed as to why she wasn't just named the Guardian, like, and like why she didn't go like live with them. Well, because Buck's in the will. He, yeah, but I if, know, she, but if like, she has the power to oust him, it's yeah. just it just felt like the whole th- like premise of like. Why would he be the one to look after them instead of her? You would think it's because the grandmother would be like advanced in age and not able to like wouldn't have necessarily the energy to like look after and raise three kids. But the the choice they made with her character between she was the, a very yeah. strong, very yeah between you know, the casting and, and the like, dialogue. It's if that was your mother or your mother in law. Do you think you would have the guts to not put her as the no, guardian exactly. in your yeah, yeah. will? Like no. She yeah. she comes in ready to kick his ass physically. Yeah. Like yeah. she's in perfectly good shape to take care of these kids and clearly has their best interests in mind. Like she's the rational choice made, as the legal guardian. They made some comment about the fact that she couldn't leave her home to go live with them. But I'm like, why not? Yeah, I don't it, buy that for I, a second. I don't understand. Like that she makes pops, no sense. She pops by a lot for a somebody lot. who lives hours yeah, yeah, away. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't make any sense. It's like she's presumably retired if she did have a career or whatever. It's like why wouldn't she just like go move into that house? It's a very nice house. Like I don't understand. At least while the kids are young, you know, like it doesn't. And like there's yeah. you know she stays over once and it's like it's yeah. such a huge thing where she's like oh she's gonna stay over and you're like really the, she's not invited to stay when she travels four hours away yeah. Just yeah. To, to yeah come on guys it's like she'll make a drive the, like a four hour drive just for a half hour pop in to go yell at them a little bit and then yeah. leave like i don't understand yeah and and then there's the thing with the uh the insurance agent who's like coming on to buck yeah 
Yeah, we were, we were, we were. Go- that she's like the the Darcy Mal- Dahlgren Frost uh, character for this. Like she's she's the one going for Buck. Like Buck's supposed to be irresistible to women. It's like what? <laughs> um, yeah, and it just I don't know. There's a lot of things that are unrealistic in this, and of course, like obviously, the way that the, none of the kids seem to be like significantly traumatized by the sudden loss of both of their parents, and how that's just kind of a passing, yeah, well, gag in a way. I did appreciate that there was lip service to conversations they'd had about the passing, and that yeah, maybe they were. You know, we're not seeing it right now, but there are sure. And I, I, a more, I, let's yeah. put it that way. You know, Full House and stuff doesn't always have that, mm-hmm. right? My actually, I wrote. It's funny you say Full House because one of my one of my notes. I think I came to this conclusion after the um after watching the uh, other episode that we watched is that this is basically Full House if the only adult there was Uncle Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> I, like in other words isn't he more of an uncle joey maybe or maybe an uncle joey but basically well, it's kind of like the jesse's the actual family and joey's the the, the friend family yeah, friend, so probably yeah. May, yeah but in any case it's like it's like full house but instead of the the dad and two other dudes it's just an uncle but like it <laughs> once again a man raising children alone? Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah. Huge trope for the time. But like it it still feels to me like, you know, some of the banter in this was fine, like for a pilot again, like, you know, we we can't always judge the first few episodes of one of these sitcoms from that era as far as like how good it could have gotten. So like just in terms of like the dialogue and the the comedy writing, the acting, like everyone was trying. It just it feels yes. like the the premise that they were tr- applying all of that work and effort to was not worth trying to do. Like trying to turn yeah. Uncle Buck into a TV show is fundamentally not a great idea, at least not a year after the movie. And so like no matter how much heavy lifting they did, like it, honestly it's a it's a fine idea. It's we've seen plenty of sitcoms with flimsier premises for that. <laughs> it's just you have to you have to figure out what you want the show to be about once you're past the premise. Yes. Right? You need to, are you a hangout show? Are you, a, you know, a family comedy? Are you, what are you? What stories are you trying to tell? And mm-hmm. this is like, it just wants to just be like a, you know, a greatest hits of, <laughs> of a movie. Yeah, a snapshot of bits that yeah. you remember from that movie as opposed to trying to redefine itself in its own in its own way. There was also, I'll just briefly mention a 2016 attempt to, oh, yeah, to turn yeah, Uncle I Buck into that a series. I when I was doing my research. Uh, that I knew. That was, I want to say Mike Epps. Yeah, with, yeah. Uh, with an all-black cast. And I haven't done any research into that show because 2016 is way beyond w- our way purview. Way beyond yeah. our, our scope. Yeah, we yeah. were talking about 80s and 90s. Uh, I know that that show was also like canceled very quickly. It wasn't successful, but as far as whether it was like a good attempt or not, I have no idea. I haven't seen any of it. I don't even I'm know curious. where to find it, but yeah. I'm curious, like to your point, it's not a bad concept. And if you're approaching it with a totally different cast many, many years later, yeah. that to me sounds way more promising. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I'd rather see 
the version of Uncle Buck in 2016 with a black family. Like to me, that's like saying, okay, we kind of like the concept of this character, but we're going to evolve this into a totally different thing and give it, breathe new life into it. To me, that's like, that's a good reason to to try to revitalize uh, a character. But but it also didn't succeed, and I have no idea why. But yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, because just so many sitcoms are made, and, yeah. and go away quickly. Like it's just the reality of it. Even you know, we we look at this era that we cover on this podcast, and there's like an endless trove. But if you really like, like in the eighties and nineties, but if you really look at it, there's tons of similar shows in other decades since, like. There's tons of shows that were only like, you know, four episodes, five episodes, one season, like there's tons. It's just the way it goes. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, they just they love to, you know, make these shows and then pull the plug if it's not an immediate hit. Yeah. You know, and then sometimes I think, you know, maybe they rush it a little too much and maybe they rushed this show and they didn't really think it through that well. Or they had too many people chiming in. I I think it's always like a combination of both. I think it's always a combination of they either rushed the premise too much, they rushed the scripts too much, or they had way too many network notes. They had way too many people chiming in on what it should be or what it shouldn't be. And then it became this big convoluted mess. And Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And also, like, when you think of the, the Buck character, right? The whole mm-hmm. thing is like he smokes cigars, he drinks, he bets on horses or whatever. But that's like, that's not something that's easy. Like if that's your explanation for why he's like a fish out of water here, that's hard to like keep that going in perpetuity. Yeah. Buck himself doesn't necessarily, you know, outside of say, you know, the the, the pancakes and, and whatnot. Yeah. Doesn't necessarily come off as a sitcom type character. I think the reason why another reason why Uncle Buck works as a movie is because for the most part it is it's rooted in real life mm-hmm. uh outside of sh- snow shovel pancakes. Uh and like, you know, Buck is not uh, he's not larger than life at all. Like he is just, you know, he's yeah, he's irresponsible, but mm-hmm. like he's not over the top, right? Yeah, exactly. It's it's a show about someone who's who's learning to take on a level of responsibility that they're not used to. But yeah. like it's it's a He's ch- not doing he's not an Adam Sandler character. Exactly. Exactly. So it's 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 a style of like family comedy from the 80s that you don't see these getting made these days. It's a particular kind of like comedy format. It's also a movie like when you watch it, like even the cinematography is so like naturalistic and almost drab in the color scheme that it's not like leading the witness. It's not saying like you're you're in for some zany laughs. <laughs> it's more like here's just like a reality type of thing. Yeah. Oh, it's a John, it looks like a John Hughes. Like a John you know? Hughes, typical of John Hughes style. It's more like the humor emerges organically from these characters. It doesn't feel like you're just trying to push jokes into it. And, and in a sitcom, you actually kind of need a character where it works to be like, well, we need two jokes a page mm-hmm. and we just need to make that work. 
Um, do we want to move on to the other episode? Yeah. Okay. By all means. Okay. So episode three is titled Gray Fox. Uh, so this is about Buck's old friend and mentor, Pete, who drops in. Pete is played by Art Carney, who is best known for his role as Jackie Gleason's best friend on The Honeymooners. This is basically reuniting him with Audrey Meadows, who, as mentioned before, plays the grandmother. For listeners who don't know, The Honeymooners from 1955 is known as one of the first ever American sitcoms and really helped establish this format. So this would have been kind of a fun Easter egg for older viewers of this show. And they both have excellent on-screen presence, which is wasted on the following plot. <laughs> Pete is some sort of old-timey hustler, a grifter, if you will, who <laughs> travels around conning people out of money. He apparently taught Buck much of what he knows, implying that Buck was also some sort of thief and hustler of sorts in the not-so-distant past. Not sure why you would add that to the backstory of a character <laughs> that you're trying to establish as a responsible caregiver to three children. But moving on, uh, he wants to stay at the house until he can figure out his next move. Buck wants to let him stay there, uh, but needs to be discreet about this, knowing that Grandma Maggie Hogoboom is on her way over for one of the kids' birthday parties. <laughs> the twist is that Pete and Maggie hit it off. They both stay over at the house that night and actually sleep together. Pete gets Maggie to write him a $5,000 check to invest in some sort of stock deal on her behalf. But of course, both Buck and us, the audience, know that he's definitely just stealing her money. Buck, to his credit, tries unsuccessfully, though, to get the money back and confesses everything he knows about Pete to Maggie. Ultimately, spoiler alert, Pete returns the money but not because of Buck's convincing, but because he really likes her. In the end, she feels more flattered than betrayed. So there's that. <laughs> yeah, this uh, episode definitely, uh, it felt like I was not in on a joke. <laughs> right? Because I, you know, uh, as somebody who co-hosts a podcast about sitcoms, I'm familiar with the honeymooners. Yeah. I yeah. know of it. I'm sure I've seen bits and pieces, you know, straight to the moon and all that. <laughs> yeah. But uh I have no reverence yeah. for it. Yeah. I so none yeah. of I, you know, Art Carney does nothing for me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's this like, and this episode, yeah. we're episode three, and we're already basically like giving a episode over to somebody else yeah 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 it's Epi yeah i i feel like yeah the only like obviously we're also aware of the honeymooners i've always been aware of the honeymooners but it's n i've never actually seen the honeymooners it's always been other things referencing the honeymooners right and, yeah and it, it's like one of those things where yeah if i didn't know the background i wouldn't even have known who these characters were like, like why this was significant, like why they were back on screen together and why it was like a big deal. Um, yes, the honeymooners. Yeah. I, uh, I guess all I knew was like this trope of like 
that that is woven into the plot of con artists. I feel yeah. like con artists were like a big trope in the 90s. Uh, I put that too. I wrote, yeah. I feel like old timey hustlers are a sitcom trope. Yeah. What's with yeah, that? Anytime you want to like slide in like a, a sitcom star of your, I feel like <laughs> one yeah. of the first things that gets brought up is what if he's a con, con artist? artist. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like there was like a weird thing with that in that time period, the early 90s. I'm thinking of that. Remember that movie Curly Sue? Yeah. Yeah, where like it's like a little girl and her dad on the run because they're con artists. And it's like that was just such a weird popular trope at the time. Of course, the Simpsons did that in an episode, too. (laughs) But they did it in a much more amusing way. Um, Hey, that's John Hughes. (laughs) It's uh. What? Who is John Hughes? Uh, Curly Sue. Oh, Curly Sue oh, is John Hughes. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, I want to watch that movie. Yeah. It probably doesn't uh, hold up. No. Well, I was going to oh. say the honey. But it's John a lot of Hughes. It probably, it might. I mean, much oh, of the humor. A lot of Hughes yeah. doesn't, though. Doesn't, but yeah. It could, um, it could be cute. I bet you it's cute. But, uh, you know, much of the Honeymooners doesn't hold up for sure. Uh, the Honeymooners is sort of the live action version of the Flintstones. Which is kind of an animated take on the same concept. And if you if you make the mistake of watching a Flintstones episode today, you will hear things in dialogue where you're like, I can't believe they did that. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Doesn't hold up. But um, yeah. So but, I, you know, 1990, you know, I guess people like to reference if you think about it, the time between 1955 and 1990 is no. 35 no. years. No. <laughs> no, we can't. No. No. So that is approximately no. the same amount of time between now and the original movie Uncle Buck or this sitcom. No. Uncle Buck. No. Yep. no Aaron. I yep. hate when people like bring these things up. I, oh. It's the worst. It makes me feel like such a dinosaur. I can't even handle it. I know. I know. It's like Johnson's like I I mean I could totally see a sitcom now, like toss it in John Stamos as like a as yeah, like an yeah. aging like con artist. Exactly. Yeah, totally. And we would potentially be if like, we hey, liked, look at that, yeah, it's Uncle Jesse. We would potentially <laughs> be amused by that. Yeah. Because of our sense of nostalgia. Sh- yeah, shit. Yeah, you're right. Or I even would. like, you know, <laughs> someone like uh yeah. Mark Paul Gossler or like you Even know, better. Carl Winslow, oh, he's no longer alive, but Reginald Bell Johnson, is he, if did he Re- pass away? Barry's looking it up. Yeah. Yeah, Reginald's still with us. He's, he's still only, kicking. He's yeah. only 70, he's only 71. Okay. okay. If he appeared in a show today as a grifter, I would love it. Yeah. So if I'm being totally honest. <laughs> yeah. Reginald Bell Johnson, 100%. I, yeah. would, I would tune right into that. Yeah, I'm yeah. down for it. Okay, so, so I, yeah, you're right. Eating my words here on being like, so, this is not for me. So for, yeah. like, for baby boomers in 1990 who were the parents watching this show with their kids, let's say, you know, it kind of makes sense, the casting, which is, again, why my problem with this show is not really in the, like, casting or the, like, jokes, but it's more just in the, like, overall construct (laughs) and i think this episode even further emphasized that because like you said like you're three episodes deep and you're already giving over the whole episode to a guest player there was so much back and forth in this like i thought that i thought the first time that art carney left that the episode was over 
because it felt like it had already been on for 20 minutes. But then he came he came <laughs> back and left like three more times. So like, I don't know. Also, so right at, right off the bat in this one, we're, we're continuing the Uncle Buck's greatest hits in that he is decorating for a kid's birthday party in an unconventional way. Uh, yeah, this is, you know, this is this is his bread and butter. Uh, but then we don't really see the kid's birthday party. In, in fact, we just skip right over it. This may seem like a small detail, but Buck's outfit in this episode, light blue golf shirt and shorts, felt kind of off. I was just glad to see him, like, not cosplaying Uncle Buck from yeah. the movie. Yeah. Sure, but if their way of saying, okay, we're going to give him a unique outfit that's not ripped off of the movie, this is the way they went? All right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, is that yeah, the was, way of showing that it, he... Yeah. It was pretty rough. It was pretty rough. I mean, you know, they were expecting mm-hmm. to get some laughs out of the outfit alone. Or, I don't know, maybe it was just 80s fashion. <laughs> yeah. Tough to say. <laughs> Tough to say. But um, this episode does confirm that the grandmother is, like, a regular ongoing player in the series and keeps, like, popping in. Just doing some Popeyes. So... Yeah. They they got to get all the mileage they can out of her last name. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, I don't really have any other notes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um I mean, we yeah. have to like obviously there's like uh, this is chock full of tropes like we already mentioned the you know, the con artist trope and then there's the poker night trope. Yeah. There's yeah. um the like School you know, bully. boy crazy, like the bully and the boy crazy teen girl. Like, it's just trope, 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 trope. Oh, yeah. Trope. She's a bit of a. Well, no, I was going to say a proto Bundy, Kelly Bundy, but I guess a contemporary of Kelly Bundy. Right. Yeah, but she didn't have the kind of like, like Kelly Bundy was also like meant to be a kind of a bimbo part of my, you know, judginess. But yeah, like her character is written to be a little like was written to be flighty, whereas Tia's was kind of more calculating. Like she was a very clever girl yeah. who was kind of calculating, but also boy crazy. Uh, yeah. So it's like, uh, yeah, like kind of like but but the whole idea that that literally like teenage girls just want to date every like man and boy that comes around is like yeah, well, annoying in, in that episode. Uh, there's that comment about like the guy who's fixing the car and yeah. she wants to know if she can like, like go after the guy who's fixing the car or whatever. Like they play it as if literally any, any guy who crosses her sight lines, yeah, she has to like go after, which is like, is, that seems to be the whole basis for the character. It's uh, it's pretty rough. Yeah. yeah, and this guy's like well into his 30s, like <laughs> when he's shown on screen and he's like, she just, do you know what she said I could do with my, like, what was the tool oh, that he right. was talking about? Something like, it was some inappropriate double entendre yeah. related to, was it gear shifter? I don't know. I don't know. And Whatever. she's supposed to be 16. It's, yeah. It's brutal. Um, But it's not funny though. No. Like with Kelly Bundy, <laughs> it was kind of funny. Like, you know? Like you kind of yeah. believed Christina it, Apple, Christina Applegate. You yeah, know, a lot of that in her, her, just her delivery of things. Yeah, uh, yeah. Her, you know, not, not to you know rip uh, a new one to this, this. Yeah, know, actress, no, she was but, fine. Uh, it's the way she's written. It's as the way well. she's written. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. if yeah, exactly. The thing that the thing that 
that married with children was doing. And I'm not saying that it's not also offensive for other reasons, but the thing that that show was always trying to do was parody a classic family sitcom yeah. by turning it on its head and saying, we're going to take all these tropes of things that happen in a classic family sitcom, but the very dark, amoral version of it. And it leans so far in that direction that you know that that's sort of the point. And yeah. like you watch it today and obviously a lot of the stuff and it doesn't hold up. But at the time, it was that was a, a clever thing to do to kind of flip the format on its head. And yeah, that cast makes it very funny. Mm -hmm. They're all very funny people. Um, I think the, the cast of this show had the potential to be very funny people in perhaps a different show. <laughs> Just yeah. different different situations like I, d I don't think there was anything wrong with any of their acting chops this is just you know this is the material <laughs> that was put together and <laughs> and i don't know it's again it's like trying to take these things that in uncle buckets finding humor in unlikely situations and trying to sandwich that into a thing where the whole basis is every situation is supposed to be silly <laughs> Bryn. Uh, can you connect Uncle Buck, the 1990 sitcom with Friends? So I can. And actually, this was one of the more challenging ones in a while. Um, okay, so there is one one degree connection, but it feels like not the best one because it's basically uh, a character that we didn't even see in that two episodes that we watched. And it he was just in two episodes, but any at any rate, the actor Sam Anderson, who was in two episodes of Uncle Buck as a character named Kroger, uh, maybe one of Buck's friends. I don't know. I don't know who he was supposed to be. I tried to look right. into it, but I couldn't find descriptions of those episodes anywhere online. Like it was really challenging. And then I tried to find those episodes to watch online. Couldn't find those either. But at any rate, he guest starred on Friends. So that's a one degree connection. Now, with the main cast, okay, we have some connections with Kevin Meany. Okay. So I, I was able to um, basically find three different four degree connections. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And, and all the other main cast, I will say, I couldn't really find a, something solid to grab onto. Uh, and I was shocked that um, Dennis Cockrum didn't have a strong connection because he's just been in so much. But anyway, at any rate, uh, Kevin Meany, who played Buck, um, so he also guest starred on Ned and Stacy. <laughs> so and Ned and Stacy starred, as you remember, Thomas Hayden Church. Um, Thomas Hayden Church co-starred on Wings with Stephen Weber. Steven Weber co-starred with Matthew Perry on Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. And then, of course, we all know Math the late Matthew Perry played uh, Chandler Bing on Friends. So that's one four-degree connection. The next four-degree connection nice. is also through the Ned and Stacey universe, <laughs> um, through Thomas Hayden Church. Um, so again, he co-starred on Wings with Tim Daly. Tim Daly co-starred with Jennifer Aniston in the rom-com Object of My Affection. And Jennifer oh. Aniston, of course, was Rachel Green on Friends. Um, and then finally, Kevin Meany, again, 
as a, a guest star on Ned and Stacy, was also acting alongside Nadia Dejani, who was part of the main cast. Nadia Dejani was in a short-lived um, sitcom called That's Life, which co-starred Ron Livingston. Ron Livingston was in the movie Office Space with Jennifer Aniston. Jennifer Aniston was Rachel Green on Friends. Wow. And I have to give a huge thanks to our previous episode on Ned and Stacy for me to even be able to cobble those together quickly because I remembered, yeah. I was like, okay, there were some connections yeah. via Thomas Hayden Church. So as soon as I saw that Kevin Meany was on Ned and Stacy, I was like, okay, well, there's something here. That's good. But I was like struggling for a while no, to like the, grab onto something with be, all of them. This might be one of my favorite. So, uh, six degrees that you've done. <laughs> okay, well, I'm very so okay going. Th I'm very okay going through Ned and Stacy. Yeah, I, well, because it's a, it's a reminder of that show, and yeah. that was a very fun show that we all enjoyed. It was uh, also uh, the episode where I kept messing up the name of the show yeah. and saying like Ted and Nancy and various <laughs> other name combos. Yeah. Yeah, but that was anyone out there. If this is your first episode, go back and listen to our Ned and Stacy episode because it was a very fun yeah, romp. That's a solid app. Yeah. Um, if this was your first episode, also let us know. Like, <laughs> what made you listen? <laughs> how do you? How did you? How did you do? Yeah. How'd you? How'd you? How'd you manage this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it'd be a little rough. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Yeah, okay, and then I guess we'll just segue right into the spinoff, because, Spinning, you know. spinning, spinning. Yeah, I mean, the the issue with this show is people were either kind of on their way out of their career, um, or kind of were in the child star realm that didn't really continue acting, so all three kids... Um, that starred um, Davi Choden, uh, Sarah Martinick, and Jacob Gelman didn't really do much after they all only have like a couple credits um, on IMDb in the 90s, you know, just popping up in random uh, sitcoms. Sarah Martinick, uh, it, it's funny because she guest starred on like a couple of bigger shows like Evening Shade, My So-Called Life. And she also guest starred on two Twas shows, hmm. maybe this time, and the John Larroquette show. So, oh. <laughs> so she's a Twas all star. Um, and yeah, and then of course we have Kevin Meany. He, so he was, you know, he has had a good career. Um, he did a lot of guest starring roles throughout the '90s, following um, his stint as Uncle Buck. In, in a ton of voice acting as well. His biggest voice uh, acting role was in an animated series called Mad Jack the Pirate, which I'm not familiar with, but it actually has a pretty good cast if you, you know, feel like looking that up. Um, and then he kept appearing in television sporadically until his death in 2016. So he's unfortunately no longer with us. And then um, we have Dennis Cockrum, who played Skank, and as Aaron already mentioned, was the only actor from the original movie to make it to this television show. He is probably the most, like, besides the two legends we already mentioned, he is like the most prolific uh, actor. He's like a very well known character actor, having done 120 
various roles over the years. Like that's how many credits he has listed on IMDb, at least. Um, he's guest starred in successful sitcoms, including Home Improvement, Third Rock from the Sun, The West Wing, Six Feet Under, and then dramas like Six Feet Under, um, De- Desperate Housewives, Shameless, American Horror Story, and tons more. And then we'll, yeah, we'll give a shout out, of course, to Audrey Meadows and Art Carney. So Audrey Meadows uh, was already a TV legend, having starred as Alice Cramden in The Honeymooners. And she was also in the Jackie Gleason show and just was like a household name, big presence, big like legendary presence. So this was sort of like something she did near the end of the, the, her career. Um, and she's consistently worked like up until her death in 1996. She appeared in some Twas shows as well, including uh, Davis Rules, <laughs> Hi Honey, I'm Home, huh. which is fun because yeah. that's like the perfect like person to guest star in that yeah. series. Feel uh, like we, I feel like we saw her on it. When did we? we? Watched it. Maybe. Yeah. I can't remember. I it's been a while. I would love. I would love to like revisit. Mom. Yeah, I'd love she? to revisit Hi Honey, I'm Home. That was like the best. Um, and also other like popular series, uh, like Empty Nest. And her last credit was two episodes of Dave's World. Do you guys remember Dave's World? Yes. I used to watch Dave's World. Um, yeah. And then Art Carney, he co-starred with Audrey Meadows on both The Honeymooners and the Jackie Gleason show. I don't know why I'm giving him his whole spinoff because he was only in the one episode, but... (laughs) The this guest star role was his l- second last credit ever. Oh, oh, really? So his last credit was the Last Picture Show. So he was in the movie The Last Picture Show. Or sorry, what am I? I was, I was like no, that movie came no, out in seventy one. I wrote down the wrong thing. The last, sorry, this guest star role was his second last credit ever. His last credit was the Last Action Hero. Oh, that Schwarzenegger movie. Oh, that's great. Great. Yeah. Movie. Yeah. And then he passed away in 2003. So do we do we think that the last action hero, do you think they were like, oh, let's get that guy from that one episode of Uncle Buck? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if you look at the if you look at the cast of the last action hero, there's like a lot of old school actors in that. There's uh, a lot of it's chock full of those like the movie was uh, very unfairly received at the time because nobody really knew what meta was then. Yeah. But, uh, it is a pretty brilliant piece of satire. Well, <laughs> is that kind of like Evil Dead 2? Like, people didn't get it at the time? No, people liked Evil Dead 2. Uh, Army of Darkness. They didn't like Army of Darkness. Okay. Maybe I'm getting them mixed up then. Because Army of Darkness was like, was is it unrelated to Evil Dead? Army of Darkness is Evil Dead 3. Okay, okay, there we go. <laughs> and it's like a PG rated like fantasy movie set in the right. set in the medieval times yeah, versus I, the other two which are very strange and Yeah, I know cuz I know I've seen both of them, but I'm like blanking on the full story world. I would say yeah, Last Action Hero is just weird cuz like I said, like nobody really understood a movie that was making fun of like that was both a love letter to and also satirizing the action genre at the time. 
So I thought, you know, we don't often do this, but I decided maybe it'd be interesting to look up what were the top rated shows in that 1990 to 1991 season. We never do that. Why don't we do that? We never do that. (laughs) But for context, when this show was airing, okay, this is a sign of the times out of the top 10 shows, seven were sitcoms. Mm -hmm. So further evidence that this was like the format of the time. But Cheers was number one, uh, followed by 60 Minutes. Then you have Roseanne, A Different World, Cosby Show, Murphy Brown, Empty Nest. Then you have America's Funniest Home Videos. (laughs) Then Monday Night Football. Then Golden Girls and Designing Women. So that's your top 10, which includes a couple of ties. Um, A little bit lower on the list, you have Full House, you have Family Matters, you have Coach, you have Who's the Boss, you have Major Dad. So there were tons of these big sitcoms from the time. Uh, Growing Pains. Uh, the Wonder Years. Uh, what's interesting is in the list of the top 30 charting shows, Davis Rules did make the list down at <laughs> down at number 20, tied for 27th place, beating, slightly beating the Wonder Years. Whoa, <laughs> that doesn't seem right. And doing just as well as Baby Talk and Growing Pains. <laughs> It's really fun uh, to look back on. I mean, now, you know, you look back on a lot of these canceled shows that we cover uh, and and they a lot of them were doing fine. Networks yeah. could be so brutal. Um, you know, like you think of like, you know, I'll always go to the same place. But you 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 think think of a, a cult classic show like Firefly, which was like, you know, it's this huge you know, cult, everybody loves it and blah, 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 talked about 20 years later and all that. It did, it, it, as far as ratings go, it was pulling in like, you know, like 12, 15 million people an episode. Yeah. But back then, you know, they wanted 20, 25 yeah. million. <laughs> now, like the highest rated things now, they don't pull that. No. Well, yeah. So to, <laughs> yeah. to give you those details, like Davis Rules during that season did an average rating, if I'm understanding correctly, this is in an average number of millions of people watching per episode. Davis Rules did 14.3, okay? Full House did 15.9. Like, not that much more. (laughs) The difference between being like 14th place on the list and getting to continue for several years and getting canceled can be like a million people an episode. And nowadays it's like you're lucky if that's all you get. Yeah. So I that's a good thing. So yeah. So I my I inflated my numbers there. You're right. Back the Firefly numbers would have been like 5 or 6, but it shows you like that's how much viewership would come down over yeah. that 10 15 year period between those two things, right? Mhm. Because because you know, and now obviously much much lower because People don't watch scheduled television. Mm-hmm. I mean, they do, sure, but not yeah. in those. You know, I'm sure NCIS pulls in those numbers, but like, <laughs> yeah, uh, outside of a certain demographic, that you're not pulling that in. All right. Well, as long as we're talking about the uh, industry insider stuff from the time, <laughs> maybe we should give uh, give our old buddy, Mister Producer, a call and and see what he has to say about this show. Aaron, my boy. Hello, Mr. P. How are you? I'm doing great. Doing great. 
Happy New Year to you and the little uh, cast web. Thanks, Mr. P. Did you have good holidays? Ah, yeah, yeah. such a sweet boy. So nice of you to ask. I sure did. You know, I was down at uh, the Sandbank. You know, my little home away from home down at Lake Buena Vista. Oh, sure. Just (laughs) yourself? No, no, I was lucky enough to be joined by the incomparable Matt Bopp for a little uh, producer's conference. Oh, quite the meeting of the minds. Oh, you're telling me. Did you guys come up with any projects? Oh, we sure did. Let's see. We chatted about, uh, well, Matt's currently hard at work at the uh, Two and a Half Men sequel show. You know, uh, Five Guys. (laughs) But actually, uh, we didn't really get to talk about it too much. What about That's It? That's it. Oh, sure. Uh, You know, we did. Yeah, absolutely. We were talking about, uh, and we were pitching by, you know what? No. For once, I don't think we talked business at all. Oh, well, that's nice. Kid, it, uh, it really was. You know, (laughs) it's been a long couple of years. Decades, really. But it was nice to just, uh, kick back on the beach with someone dear and, uh, enjoy the pickle ritas. You see a pickle rita, it's like a margarita, but- With pickles. (laughs) Right, right, right. So you know all about them. God, no. I tell you, kid, the older I get, the more I realize it ain't about the projects. It's about the pickle-based alcoholic beverages that you share with the people you love. Very well said. Well, until next time. He's a a complicated man. I never never got to bring up Uncle Buck. Yeah, you guys didn't even talk about Uncle Buck. He just- talked about his vacation and then like dropped off that was weird well honestly that that was probably the most interesting thing we were gonna get anyway (laughs) you know he actually invited me up to that timeshare once did he really wow absolutely yeah wonderful weekend a lot of pickles in that fridge a lot of pickles (laughs) (laughs) well um on that note i guess uh we could all just uh You know, light up some cigars for our poker night and sign off. (laughs) I'm definitely going to continue watching Uncle Buck because I did not get to finish the movie. The movie, the movie. I will never, I will not remember that this existed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, But Uncle Buck, the movie, if you haven't seen it, go watch. Go Go watch watch it. Your heart will be warmed. Yeah. That's our final recommendation. It's like, watch the movie. Watch the movie. Watch the movie, (laughs) Uncle Buck. <laughs> that was a show is created and hosted by Bryn Burney, Andrew Barry Helmer, and myself, Aaron Yeager. It's a production of Radio Gizmo in Toronto, Canada. Subscribe, rate, review, and share. Follow us on Instagram and tell your friends about it. That was a show. Radio Gizmo.